Chatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'm your host, Ricky Hazel, and I'm joined today by another special guest, another Stetson Tye, the former Stetson football player, Jordan Sabo. Jordan, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. So let's talk about where you grew up and how you got to Stetson from Western Pennsylvania. You grew up in Beaver County, which a lot of people may not know much about Beaver County, but wow, what a number of people that have come out of Beaver County, especially in athletics. Yes, absolutely. Um, so my hometown, I guess the mailing address is Aliquippa. So there's a lot of names associated with Aliquippa, such as Mike Ditka, Darrell Revis, Ty Law. Um, John Baldwin more recently was in the NFL. I actually went to Hopewell High School, though, which is in Aliquippa, but separate high school. That's the home of Tony Dorsett. Uh, so my high school football stadium was Tony Dorsett Stadium. Paul Puzlesny, who was recently a captain of the Jaguars for a few years, went there as well. He was kind of my role model growing up. So that's where I grew up. Um, as far as how I ended up at Stetson, um, I got a mix of seasons up here, uh, rain, snow, a little bit of sun in the summer. But for college, I wanted to kind of explore and go away for a little bit. So I started my college search by basically looking at any college from North Carolina and South. Um, and through doing that, I found Stetson was in Florida. It's around a lot of different things. It's close to my grandparents. And I just started visiting a lot of different schools. I wasn't really a direct football recruit. Um, I would kind of get on and Google it. I hadn't heard of it before. And I see that football was just getting started there, which is kind of a a cool thing to have after not having it for 50 years. So that kind of drew my attention. Um, Whether I'd be able to play or not was um, not really being considered at the time. I just wanted to go check out the campus. And so I did a trip. I went to UF. I went to Tampa, Florida Southern, um, some of the other schools around the area, including Stetson. And I just really enjoyed the campus. I liked the town around it. And a lot of different things worked out that just made it a good place to go. You kind of undersold a little bit what your home home area is as far as athletics. I've got a list pulled up. You, know, you just pull it up on uh, Wikipedia. And, and in addition to the people you named, Joe Namath, Pistol Pete Maravich, yep. um, you mentioned Ty Law, uh, Babe Perilli, who was a big-time quarterback in the 50s in Kentucky. Um, yep. As you mentioned, Darrell Rivas. Um, Press Maravich, which was Pete's dad, Tony Dorsett, Terry Francona, the manager of the Indians, former manager of the Red Sox is from that area. I mean, that's got to be an incredible legacy for anybody that comes from that area of the, of the country to live up to knowing that all of these tremendous athletes came from there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was just kind of running along the names within my mailing address, kind of my zip code to begin. But yeah, if you want to expand to just kind of the Pittsburgh area, um, everything outside the city, you can go on and on. I mean, just thinking about my conference that I played in, um, currently in the NFL right now, Malik Cooker was um, a, is a pretty good player for the Colts. He was a star at Newcastle High School. He was in my conference. I had to play against him in basketball a couple times a year. I had to play wow. him in football. Um, Robert Foster plays for the Buffalo Bills. He went to Central Valley High School, which is one of our rivals. Had to play him at least once a year, sometimes twice a year in the playoffs. Um, Jordan Whitehead also went to Central Valley. He's with the Bucks now down in Florida. So yeah, if you start expanding outside my zip code, we we had a pretty packed conference. And then you go through the whole uh, PIAA and Whippeals especially. Um, There's definitely been a lot of talent. You mentioned you played at Tony Dorsett Stadium. How involved was he 
with the high school while you were growing up? Because he, he was already retired by that point. Right. Yeah, he had been retired for a while. Um, he spends most of his time in Dallas still. So he'll come back occasionally. But actually, this past summer, um, last year, Hopewell finally decided to, uh, decided to start an official sports hall of fame. And so I helped out a lot. My dad helped out a lot with the golf outing. They did a lot of fundraising for it because they wanted to do something nice for all of the athletes. And so Tony Dorsett was part of the first induction ceremony. And that was the first time he had been back in a while. And it was very nice to see him. Um, he kind of sat in the stands like a regular guy with everybody else. Um, another one of the important people that came back that hadn't been for a while was Stan Puzlesny who was Paul's older brother and the Puzlesny family alone. They had Stan who played baseball at WVU um, and he played in the minors. Paul was with the Jaguars and the youngest brother, Dan played at Notre Dame for a while. So Paul is not old enough to get into our hall of fame yet, but Stan was actually the first inductee. So being able to see Stan, um, their dad actually coached me in JV baseball when I was in like a freshman in high school. It was cool to see them to meet Tony Dorsett and just kind of see a lot of the people that have their name across their school. So growing up, obviously, you're surrounded by a ton of big-time college football. Who did you grow up cheering for? College football, I'm a Penn State fan, and that was directly because of Paul Puzlesny. And kind of a cool story about that, um, along with the brothers, their sister was also a great athlete at Hopewell, and they were in the playoffs one year. Um, and I had had these trading cards that a guidance counselor at my elementary school, actually, this, this is how much older there was. He was a senior in high school when I was in, I want to say kindergarten. Our guidance counselor had these football cards that she used to give out to some of the students just for helping her out with certain tasks. We used to go around and collect like the, the dollar from the teachers to wear jeans on Friday, that type of thing. She gave me one special card and said, uh, this is a player you really want to pay attention to he's at Penn State he went to Hopewell and that was kind of how I first got introduced to him because I was too young um, his senior year to really know what was going on and that card was Paul Puzlesny at Penn State it was uh, just some trading cards they produced that is kind of what got me in as a fan of him I met him at one of the state basketball games when he came back to watch his sister and then I became a huge fan started watching him all throughout his college career and followed him to Buffalo where he first got drafted. Then he went to Jacksonville. So it was cool when I came down to Florida, I was able to see him play a couple times down there. And even better story, his final year with the Jaguars was actually Donald Payne's rookie year, who I'm also friends with um, and played with. So that was kind of just a full circle moment to talk to Donald about Paul. And Donald got moved to linebacker at that point and be kind of, had Paul as a role model in the locker room. That was also the year they made it to the AFC championship. So that, that kind of goes back to Penn state is how I became a Penn state fan. And I have been ever since. So I consider like Penn state, my big school. Um, and then Stetson's my, my alma mater. I assume you're a Steelers pirates penguins fan. Yeah. More than you can understand. And that's kind of, <laughs> I'd say among like my teammates, they love ripping on me if the Steelers lost in the playoffs. Um, they didn't get on me as the Penguins as much because they won two Stanley Cups in a row recently, but they don't about the Steelers. I'm a big baseball guy, and, and uh, I'm a Reds fan, but people always ask, well, what's your favorite ballpark? And there's no doubt PNC Park is the most beautiful ballpark in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I agree. There's not a bad place you can sit. Um, I really like sitting along the third baseline so you see the whole skyline. 
um, kind of what I have behind me, but I, I'm about as much of a yinzer as it gets. Yinz is, yinzer is kind of a term for Pittsburghers that a lot of people outside the city may not know. And if you ask people from school, that, that's kind of what they'll say about me is I'm the biggest Pittsburgh fan they know. <laughs> so you get to Stetson, uh, you walk on to the football team. Talk a little bit about your experience as far as being on the football team at Stetson. You had to pay your dues for a long time before you finally saw that pay off. Yeah, so it kind of started out when I did a visit there. It wasn't at a visit with football. It was just kind of with my parents. I didn't even have really like an official tour at the school. It's just we were kind of driving around and seeing as much of the schools as we can in probably a two-day window. And we had emailed um, Nolan Burns actually ahead of time. And he had said, yeah, if we were interested, we could set up a meeting with one of the assistant coaches who was there at the time. And so we did get to sit down and chat with him and he showed us around a little bit, but didn't have like a whole lot of communication. He had said, okay, it's good to know you're interested. Um, once you get to school, then we'll see. We kind of have a recruiting class filled for the year. So when I actually showed up the first day, I didn't really know whether or not I was going to be playing. Um, during camp, before I had reported, Nolan then emailed me and said, hey, we've had a couple spots open up during camp and offered to let me join the team whenever I showed up on the first day of school. So coming in, I actually missed all of fall camp and actually started way behind than a lot of the people. I remember I got, uh, had a playbook dropped on me um, the first week, had no idea what I'm doing with these guys that have been going for weeks at that point. So it was kind of, I had to play quick catch up. Insight Credit Union is a proud partner of Stetson University Athletics. Insight has been bringing better banking to Central Florida for nearly 85 years. Insight Credit Union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans, credit cards, and more. Insight Credit Union and you, better together. You get to your senior year and you play some JV and, and you know, obviously been on the scout teams and stuff, but you haven't played much in any varsity games till you get to your senior year. And then you finally get your chance I guess in the Brown game is where you had a couple of receptions. Talk about what your memories are of make, getting that first catch. Well, we had a, a lot of injuries that year, and that was kind of the, the one thing that kept me going. And I, I saw that I had a chance to get in. I actually had an injury that year as well that I was playing through at the time. So I was pretty excited when I got told, hey, be ready, because at this position, you're going to be the guy that goes in in this formation every single time. and. I think about it. The first catch that I had was a short out route. I had a second catch later in the game. And the funny thing is I wasn't actually supposed to be in that position <laughs> and it kind of worked out that way. It was, it happened so fast that once we got lined up, um, Jeremiah nails, who was just on graduated recently, we just kind of said, you know, you stay on that side. I'll stay on this side. I ended up being the one that opened up for a first down and it was kind of a big first down later in the game. So it, it was definitely exciting, but, I got ripped for that so bad later too, because really we should have been flipped. The ball would have been going to him, but it was still a good memory. We won the game. That's all that mattered. So what were your biggest takeaways from playing football as Tessin? So it's really a, a mentality thing. I mean, we had to work harder there than I've ever had to work in my life. And when you have that type of mentality that you get raised with, you have to handle situations that don't always go as expected. So like nothing about football or other sports is easy. You kind of get in a habit of having to grit your teeth and find a way to succeed no matter what gets thrown at you. So some people, they might grow up and not really have to work too hard. And there's nothing wrong with that. But people like us that grew up playing sports, we get put in diff difficult situations all the time. 
And most of the time it's on purpose. Our coaches push us, make us work hard. So for somebody that hasn't really seen adversity before, they might not know how to handle it. So like with us to start, we had to wake up early every morning. We practiced starting at 6.30. No one else was awake. And people would say like, that's absolutely crazy. And along with doing it to kind of beat the heat, I think it got us into a routine of having to wake up, learning how to be on time. Um, On top of that, like when an injury happens, other people who haven't had an experience like that might question like, why do we put our bodies through that? Aren't we worried about getting hurt? And it's really that there's kind of a competitive aspect to it that provides a lot of satisfaction from knowing how hard you worked when once you accomplish your goals. And so people who are raised with that competitive mindset won't really struggle as much in their life after college when they face a hardship or if things don't go as planned. And so this is really funny. And a lot of my teammates might laugh at this as well, but like at my job, sometimes if we have a day or a project that doesn't go as planned, I'll kind of catch myself jokingly saying to them, it's just a little adversity fellas. Then I realized I just quoted Coach Hughes. So kind of like you have suddenly a disappointing realization that you might be turning into your parents. Every once in a while, I'll do or say something and realize that came from Coach Hughes. It's a direct one of his um, quotes. So, But uh, honestly, like if you've kind of grown up to be a good person, I think a lot of that has to be credited to your family and then just as much to your coaches. So sometimes like turning into bits and pieces of them might not be as bad as people make it out to be. So I kind of think those are my biggest takeaways. It's the mentality. um, And then some of the things that you learn from your coaches, you get used to being pushed hard. You get used to not being put in a great situation and having to try and figure out a way to make it work anyway. Obviously football wasn't your priority when you came to Stetson, you were coming to Stetson for the education and majored in molecular biology you, uh, you were PFL academic honor roll every year. You know, you graduated with a really high GPA. Talk a little bit about going through the uh, a demanding major field like that while also trying to be a student athlete. So it definitely wasn't easy. I mean, I, people don't get a lot of sleep in college as it is. I'd say I was even worse when it came to getting sleep because <laughs> our typical schedule, especially during the season, would be wake up and you had to be out on the field. The whistle would blow at six 30. Now, how early you got there kind of depended on how fast you could get ready. I take a long time to get ready and do that. So I'd have to be there at least a half an hour before that. And then on top of that, if you have any kind of an injury, you need to get taped anything related to that. You'd have to show up even earlier to get into the training room. Um, if you had an injury or rehabbing, you'd have to do your treatment before practice before getting taped and then being able to get dressed and go out onto the field. So it would start pretty early on a daily basis, then get through practice. A lot of the time it'd be shower, maybe grab a cliff bar or something quick on the way from the field that we practiced at to go to class, not even go home first. If you're hustling across campus, show up, still kind of sweating from running across campus in the heat. You get to class, a lot of the time you'd have an ice bag on, everybody's looking at you, like, why are you have this dripping ice bag all over the place in the classroom? And we'd have to try to fit our classes as much as possible into a window between our practice and then weights and film later. And it, the schedule worked out that you could get everything accomplished in the day, but it wouldn't leave as much left in the day to do the school stuff. So you had to be really focused. And I mean, 
it's different than I think it may be at bigger schools. Coach Hughes is pretty hard on us when it came to keeping up with the grades. I mean, you would get called into the office by your position coach or even him. Um, if they found out you might be not going to class, I mean, they would send assistant coaches around to check in on classes, make sure that we were actually there, which I don't know how much that happens in other places, but coach Hughes definitely put academics above everything else, but you had to find a way to balance both. Like we're here to do both. We want to get an education, but we're also here to play football. And it's not necessarily that you prioritize one so much above the other that the second priority falls off, but you have to find a way to be good at both. So you go from classes, then to films and lifting, go eat dinner. And then my homework typically wouldn't start until maybe like nine or 10 o'clock and on. And so I used to kind of joke that I would sometimes just take a nap. And then I was most productive um, from the school side between maybe 11 o'clock and maybe like three in the morning, sometimes wake up um, or finish homework, go back to sleep and then wake up in a couple hours to go to practice. And that it became a routine. So once you get used to it, it becomes normal. And I, I think that put a lot of discipline in us that you had to figure out a schedule. You had to be organized to make it work. And you were kind of a glutton for punishment too, because you played some club baseball while you were at Stetson. Yeah, I'm allowed to talk about that now. The trainers, um, I don't know how my coaches felt about it. They were, they obviously knew that I played, but the trainers weren't a big fan because they were always worried I was going to get hurt, something related to that. But um, the so the club baseball deal, my freshman year, I had gone to intramurals for softball because I still missed playing baseball. I played football, baseball, and basketball all through high school. So I showed up to intramural softball and just didn't really have a great time. It wasn't serious. I mean, it was kind of fun. Um, a lot of the people in the fraternities were involved, but I didn't have that much fun playing the first day. And I met somebody there who was involved with the club baseball team. That team was also brand new. It's a totally student run organization. They told me about it and I said, well, I mean, I am playing football here. So that has to be the first priority, but when is your season? It was in the spring. So just talking through it with them, it sounded like something that I could make work. And it added a whole lot more to my schedule, but I bet I like playing baseball so much that it's, I have a hard time quitting things like that, you know? And it was easy that we didn't have practice every day like we did with football. Um, but most of the games were on the weekends. So I could get away with having a spring scrimmage in the morning. We used to have our uh, spring practices on Saturday mornings and then go maybe play a baseball doubleheader in the afternoon and I was even crazy enough to drive I mean there was one we had a 9 a.m scrimmage got done with it drove across the state to Tampa because we were playing against USF in a a three-game weekend series so I got used to doing that and then the president that started the team graduated a year ahead or two years ahead of me and they needed somebody to take over the team I had been playing and I was pretty organized so they kind of I don't want to say they dumped it on me, but they said, Hey, we don't really have anybody else to do this. So I ended up being the president of the club baseball team at Stetson my junior and senior year as well. And so it kind of went like school football and then club baseball. And it was, it was pretty busy. And then from that, uh, I think we did a pretty good job running that team and there's a club sports council at Stetson as well. Right. It's student run and they're kind of in charge of mentoring all the other teams throughout the year. And so then I kind of got looped into that and I ended up being on the council my senior year. 
and helping out with a lot of the other teams. So, well, so what you're saying is you didn't have much of a social life at Stetson. I mean, I, I would call that a social life. That, that definitely was. I mean, I wasn't in a fraternity or anything like that, but I still had essentially a hundred plus brothers every single year that kind of functioned the same way. Sure. I'd say I saw them a lot more um, than some of the other organizations did see each other. I had the friends with club baseball. I, I still had friends that I knew from um, just other things within my major. So I, I'd say I definitely had a social life. It's just kind of not your traditional social life. Love Stetson Athletics? Then join the team behind the team. Donate to the Hatter Athletic Fund to help keep your Stetson Hatters at the top of elite competition. If you're interested in donating to provide opportunities for Stetson student-athletes, log on to GoHatters.com and click on the Hatter Athletic Fund link in the Support the Hatters tab. So you get done, you graduate, and then you go on to Robert Morris, right, and get your MBA. Yep, so that one is kind of at home where I live. My mom actually works there. So I was able to get a pretty good deal to work on a master's program there. And I just figured it was something I should take advantage of because I can get a, a better deal with her working there until I'm, I believe, 26. So I, I kind of thought it would be a bad idea not to take advantage of it. And I started working on that in October uh, two years ago. And actually, I just turned in my final assignment last night and my graduation scheduled to be next Saturday. So we're not having an in-person graduation anymore, but it's pretty exciting anyway. So how do you think an MBA helps with an undergrad degree in molecular biology? I mean, how does that help with what you're doing professionally? Well, with the setting that I'm in now, um, there's a business side to it and there's the science side. And so I've gotten everything that I need from the science side through my undergrad. Molecular biology has helped out a ton in the clinical lab world where I am now. But again, there, there's the business side. So I think to move up in the future, having a little bit of both would be essential. And so with the MBA, I took a focus in project management because that's essentially everything that we do in a clinical lab is we set up a test. Um, we have clients that we do it for, and then we keep it just expanding. So every new test that we add is basically a brand new project. And at my company over the last couple of years, they've been expanding pretty rapidly and adding a lot of new testing that they hadn't done um, in previous years. So every kind of operation is a brand new project. And I think doing them hand in hand has especially helped because I've been able to apply a lot of what I've been doing in the MBA program with the science background I got from Stetson and then applying it right away instead of having to wait, get a job somewhere to start using it. So I know you work for Perker El Elmer, Perkin Elmer Genomics which is a biotechnology firm. And I know that there's some involvement. Every, everybody in medical fields right now is working on solutions for the coronavirus. What is it exactly you're involved with? What, what is your company trying to do to help solve this pandemic? So we decided to use some of our testing platforms that we have already. The, the main thing that Perkin Elmer has done for a long time is newborn screenings. Um, it's genetic tests that they do. They have uh, contracts with individual people because we're a private lab and they would run panels for rare disorders. Over the last two years is when they've really started expanding into genomics, whole genome, whole exome sequencing. Um, with my department that I'm specifically in, I started in newborn screening and then moved over into a brand new immunology department. 
that we had a totally empty room and I basically had to work one-on-one with my boss, who's our director, to get this immunology lab set up. So we started out running testing for food sensitivity, um, Lyme disease, and inhaled allergens. Um, When the COVID pandemic came around, Perkin Elmer already produces a kit that they sell to other clients um, to test for it. We already had a lot of the instrumentation and we were able to make it work. So the test itself is the antibody test. And what it is, is um, it's an ELISA assay, which is an enzyme immunoassay that provides semi-quantitative in vitro determination of human antibodies against SARS-CoV-2, which is the um, virus that actually causes COVID-19. So that's kind of what we're doing in a nutshell without going into too much detail is we are running the antibody testing to determine antibody resistance against the disease. And from my understanding, the COVID virus is close, more closely related to SARS than it is the regular influenza or pneumonia or anything like that. Yeah, the, the coronavirus has existed in the past. And so this is essentially the strain that we're dealing with now. How is it, if it's existed for so, so long, how... Did it just blossom at this point in time? I mean, what was it that triggered it? Or or was that a question that people are still looking to find out? Yeah, that's not really something I have an answer to. It's They're still looking into it, and um, that's kind of why there's not a solution yet. But it's essentially, it's something that can mutate over time. And so that's why there's not a cure um, at this point in time. So you see the two different types of testing out there. One is going to be the test to tell if you have it or not. Um, that's the test that kind of came out first. The second test is going to be the one that determines if you have antibodies against it. Right. And if you have the, if you harvest the antibodies, I guess that's where the cure comes from, correct? Um, so that could provide it potentially the ability to fight it off. It'll tell you that either you had it in the past, most likely if you, once you get the disease, you'll start producing antibodies against it. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be immune, but I'm sure a lot of the solutions that people are looking into for a vaccine and whatsoever are kind of going to be related to the antibodies. So we're not actually looking for a vaccine, but um, what we are trying to do is get people tested so that they can determine if they've had it already and may potentially have the antibodies against it. And so it's a pretty simple test. It's on the ELISA platform. um, And it's as simple as getting a blood draw and spinning down plasma and then running it on our instruments that we already have. So it's not something somebody can do at home. They have to go see a medical professional to get it done. No, at this point in time, it's, yeah, you still have to see a medical professional. Okay. Let's switch back and talk about you again. Let's, uh, who were your role models growing up and uh, why was, why were they your role models? So one of them is definitely going to be Papa Zlesny that we talked about earlier. Um, I got introduced to him at a younger age. And one of the things that really stood out to me and this kind of influenced how I was as a football player Paul got hurt in the Orange Bowl, his junior year of college. And at this point in time, he was thinking about coming out to the NFL early. Totally blew out his knee. They won the game, but um, all of a sudden he has a major injury and has to decide, does he stay or come out? He ended up deciding to stay. And the interesting thing was, and this is something my dad loves to refer to, within a couple weeks of having this major surgery, Paul was back in our hometown back at church. Um, they went to the same Catholic church as us and he was still kneeling in the pew despite 
just having major knee surgery. And so wow. that's anytime I would have an injury to deal with. My dad loves referring to it and said, Paul Puzlesny was able to do this. You can suck it up and go out there, play, go out there, do whatever. Don't really, you can't really complain. And he loves to refer to that. What, what were some of the resources that kind of helped you along in your journey? Some of the people, some of the, some of the you know, faculty or staff or coaches or whoever that may have helped you along the way. So it's like first outside of Stetson, my parents definitely did a lot. Um, they were kind of the primary coaches, I guess, growing up. Um, they were the people I'd have to talk to anytime something wasn't going well. My grandparents, especially, I think my grandpa is one of the people that our entire family looks up to the most. They would come to all of our games growing up in high school, drive from Cleveland to get to Pittsburgh, which isn't a short drive. It's about two hours. And it wasn't unusual for them to come over at least once or twice a week, depending on the season, um, to watch our games. They came down for a bunch of Stetson football games to watch whether I was playing or not. Um, then when you go into Stetson, like obviously Coach Hughes, um, Jake Burns, who is my position coach, was a big influence for me. Um, I really got along with my our trainers too. You kind of had the coaches were the ones that would yell at you but motivate you. But when you really needed somebody to kind of vent to or talk about other things with, that was definitely in the training room. Um, so like Barb, Logan, and Dave were kind of the three that I got to know the most growing up. And that was, you could talk about TV shows, just whatever they had on the TV. They were kind of the people you'd vent to. And I, was, I wasn't injured to the point where I missed games, but I was banged up enough that I was in there a lot, especially the last two years. Um, Faculty-wise, Dr. Michael King was our kind of our pre-health advisor. And he was a big supporter of Stetson football. He was also a big supporter of my club baseball team. He used to come out to watch us for that a lot. He was my research advisor uh, for my senior project. Um, let's see who else. I mean, even people like that you didn't get to meet as much, like Dr. Libby, you wouldn't necessarily get to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her all the time, but she was the type of president that you knew was going to be at pretty much any event Stetson hosted. She was always going to be up in the box watching. You could see her walking across campus and she'd say hi, even if she didn't really necessarily know your name. Right. So just people like that were important. Florida Orthopedic Associates is proud to support Stetson University Athletics. Don't let pain affect your game. For sports injuries, sprains, fractures, and breaks, if it hurts, see them first at their Orange City walk-in clinic for urgent orthopedic injuries. Offices are located in Deland, Orange City, Lake Mary, and New Smyrna Beach. Florida Orthopedic Associates, state-of-the-art care, close to home. So I know you're still very early on in your professional career. What are your goals for, for what you where, you, where do you want to wind up professionally? So I'm not really sure yet. I'm still working on that. I mean, right now the focus is kind of setting up the lab. So what is the, what's the funniest thing you remember that happened to you while you were, while you were at Stetson? I, okay. I've got a good one. So Dave, our trainer, this is going back to talking with the trainers was a huge Patriots fan. And we used to go back and forth. And I, I love saying that he wasn't a real Patriots fan because he's from Orlando. And I used to just say he jumped on the bandwagon with Tom Brady. So this was senior year. Patriots and the Steelers were going to be playing in the AFC championship. And we made, or not, actually it wasn't the AFC championship that we made a bet on. It was a game prior to that. Um, 
No, no, it was. So the, I forget what the details of the bet was, but essentially the winner would get to choose what the loser did. So across this winter break, I had my shoulder surgery, uh, which is a separate story from football. But when I came back, the Patriots had beaten the Steelers late in the season. So the bet was I had to wear his wife's Tom Brady jersey and do a photo shoot in the training room. <laughs> I still got that on my social media. And again, I, I can't remember the details of what it was, but that was one of the most awkward experiences. Not only did it not fit, uh, it was a, I mean, it was his wife's jersey, so it was pretty tight on me, right. but we had to kind of wiggle it around my shoulder brace. It, it was just insult to injury, kind of. <laughs> we did a photo shoot, and then for a week straight, I had to, he gave me a caption with a different picture, and I had to post it on my social media, and I wasn't allowed to tell anybody what was going on, which to a lot of people, that would have been a red flag if all of a sudden I'm saying Tom Brady is the greatest football player alive or right. celebrating the him beating the Steelers. So I'd say that was probably the funniest for sure is that, that photo shoot I had to do with Dave. So what was the highlight of your time in Stetson or what were some of the highlights of your time in Stetson? Um, definitely one of the biggest ones was the game. I got to play a lot against Brown. I'd say homecoming my freshman year was one of the bigger ones as well. That was my first homecoming and that was a huge win for us. So being able to celebrate with everybody after, um, some of the smaller things too, that weren't necessarily as big of an event, like at the me strong event every year, um, coach Dunn was one of the hosts for a water station. And so that was a place all the football guys used to go and we would help out with the me strong race, just handing out water. And then his wife would make us breakfast afterwards. Um, the midnight run we did freshman year at the end of spring, uh, camp, it was just, it was just kind of a tradition they did where they would go out and as a team and do a jog through the land. Just some of those smaller things were fun over the years. So what, what accomplishments were you most proud of during your time? Um, definitely graduating. And I think from a football perspective, finishing, uh, we had a lot of turnover over the four years that I was there. I don't remember exactly how many my freshman year class had. I want to say it was probably in the numbers of like 30 to 45, somewhere in that range. There was only a few. There was, I think, 11 total people, if you include the seniors and the fifth years, that graduated on the football team by the time we were done. And I think that was a huge accomplishment. We didn't necessarily have the season that we were hoping to have, but you started to see kind of a culture change from my freshman year to my senior year to get things going in the direction that coach Hughes and all of us wanted them to go. And I, I think that my class and the class above me and below me played a huge role in the mentality that we needed to have moving forward to get things turned around. We might not have necessarily been the most athletic. Um, we were kind of the ones there starting things out to begin with, but we stuck it out and I want to hope we mentored a lot of the people that are on the team now just finishing up that did turn it around and had winning seasons. So obviously molecular biology, football, club baseball, all of the things you were involved in, what motivate motivates you to, to get up and keep all that going and be an honor roll student and, and make sure everything's taken care of that you have so many balls in the air. How, how do you stay motivated to keep that going? Uh, probably the finish line. I mean, there's not necessarily one thing that I say, like, 
I'm doing it for myself or it's not a chip on the shoulder thing. You definitely want to impress a lot of people. Like my dad was very successful as an athlete. Um, my grandpa was, and they loved coming to my games. So I, I'd say being able to do things for my grandparents was a motivator. And I, I don't know, it's, I don't really have a great answer for that. It's not something tangible that I can say, this is why I do it. I've just always had a mentality that I can't stand quitting things. Are you a big reader? Um, lately, a lot more just scientific journals because that's it's transitioned to more what I've had to do. I read a lot more kind of when we would be assigned books to read in high school and then in some of my earlier college classes. Um, once I got more into my focus for molecular bio, it was a lot more scientific journals and same thing lately. Not a lot of time left for uh, pleasure reading? Well, not recently, but now I'm kind of getting into that phase where I will be able to start doing it a lot more. So I've been talking to people at work, especially because we have people that may not have played sports, but they have other interests. So they'll talk about books that they've been reading. And I've always been kind of the odd man out on those situations. Right. So, I mean, pretty much starting in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a lot of free time on my hand. I mean, sports is pretty much over. Um, I've been going to work and coming home. There's not a whole lot we can do socially as it is because of the pandemic. And so that, that's one thing I do want to get into more. And I've been kind of asking people at work for suggestions. Yeah. What, what have you got? Have you got a list put together that you want to uh, tackle? Um, not quite yet. I, I don't really have an order, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's something I'm definitely going to get into. What's your most treasured childhood memory? Uh, it's pro almost all of the most treasured are going to involve Steeler games. So, I mean, we're not season ticket holders, but my parents have been like nice enough to get us tickets over the years. And I want to say one of my favorites, don't remember the year. It was probably 2009 was a Packers and Steelers game. And my mom got us tickets. We were in the fourth row off the field in the corner of the end zone. And it was Sunday night football. Um, kind of looked like the Steelers were going to win or lose actually, but in Ben Roethlisberger fashion, they drove down the field and scored in the end zone that we were sitting in. Um, it was a touchdown to Mike Wallace where he was laid out almost horizontal to the field and nothing super special about like how the outcome of that game affected the season, but it was kind of a great memory with my mom. I mean, most of the Steelers games I've gone to have been with her. So who are your favorite Steelers players and Penguins players and Pirates players over the years? So Pirates, there's not a whole lot to choose from recently. <laughs> um, there's guys that have been great as role models, though. And I, I say that, like, for as bad as the Pirates have been lately, I, I still love watching them. I'm the type of person that'll make myself sit through a game they're losing or even on their awful years, just because you still have to root for the good guys. I mean, you see, follow them on social media, you see what they're doing in the community, and they're still great people. We're hoping that the season will turn around, and we did get a, a nice run with Andrew McCutcheon over the years. So he's somebody, a pirate more recently, that I looked up to a lot. Um, my favorite all-time is Roberto Clemente. As far as the Steelers go, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is kind of my number one. That's who I've grown up with. I was sure. in third grade his rookie year. <laughs> so by default, he's my current player still on the team. Troy Polamalu was kind of my inspiration for how I wanted to play football. 
I wasn't as good, obviously, but I was actually more of a defensive player in high school, or at least I felt like more of a defensive player. We weren't a huge passing offense, and so I didn't have the stats that a lot of people that play in college might have, but I did have a lot of the stats on defense. And so it's kind of being like hard-nosed, throw your body all over the place. That's who I wanted to be like. And even though I was a wide receiver, they, they don't get thought of with the same mindset as a defensive player, but you still kind of have like the tough aspect to it. I looked at the Palomalu for that. Um, the Penguins, there's a lot to cheer for. I mean, the obvious is Crosby and Malkin. And we've had a very nice run over the last couple of years. And I really felt like they were going to go a long way this year. Um, we'll see if the NHL gets started again. But I, I really think they're in a good position. I'll give you my uh, Ben Roethlisberger story. Back in the early 2000s, I worked at Marshall University and um, had a quarterback named Byron Lefwich who we were pushing for the Heisman. And, and uh, if he doesn't get hurt against uh, Akron, he probably wins it. But we're uh, at the... Mac football preseason meetings in Detroit and uh, big, big quarterback from Miami. And uh, I introduced, Byron was a senior, Ben was a sophomore. And I introduced the two of them together and made sure they exchanged phone numbers so that they could talk to each other. And fun, it's funny, they wind up playing together years later and, and uh, you know, and Ben's still playing. And then Byron's, Byron's got Tom Brady as his quarterback. He's offense coordinator for the Bucks. Byron Leftwich has been around a lot and he's served some pretty important roles if you think about it. I mean, when he was with the Jaguars, that was a team for a while that the Steelers couldn't find a way to beat. They would get beat by them late in the season. They would get beat by them in the playoffs. Um, and then the Steelers' second Super Bowl run, Byron Leftwich was the backup quarterback for that. And he, he played a huge role in the games that he was there. I mean, we've really only had two great backup quarterbacks in the time of Roethlisberger, and that was Charlie Batch and Byron Leftwich. So I have a lot of respect for him as well. I was uh, I was with Byron when he got drafted by the Jaguars. I was at the draft in, at Madison Square Garden when he got drafted. I, I didn't, never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I go back. My the, my the player of the Steelers that I remember the most from growing up was John Stallworth because he was from my hometown. Okay. And John is in – and he's, he owns a – medical company of some kind in uh, back in Huntsville, Alabama now. That's where he grew up and that's where he is. And he, he's made, a, it's Morgan, it's Morgan something, but he's got a medical company that he owns and runs and, and has made a lot of money doing that. John Smallworth and Lynn Swan were my mom's two of her favorites. I mean, she was kind of the one that turned us into the Steeler fans we are today. And so that's who she grew up watching. I, I get to watch their highlights, but I wasn't lucky enough to see them play live, unfortunately. Show your Stetson spirit and get your green on with officially licensed tees, sweats, hoodies, and more. Go to www.shopgohatters.com. All your Hatters gear is just a click away. Visit www.shopgohatters.com today. So what superstitions did you have when you were a player? Um, I wasn't huge on superstitions. Not, not in football, to be honest. I had some small things with baseball. Like I preferred wearing a certain type of undershirt. I wouldn't change my stance that often, but um, you kind of get into the same routine when you walk up to the plate. I didn't have that to foot for football for whatever reason. So now that you're done competitive athletics, you're done with academics, you're in the professional world. How do you like to spend your time away from work, away from everything? And now there's no sports to watch. 
So what are your, what are your hobbies? A lot of outdoor recreation. So luckily those are things you can still socially distance to do. Um, I, I enjoy hunting a lot. I'm a deer hunter, pheasant, especially in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. And ironically, I was just out turkey hunting this morning. That, that's one I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but um, PA turkey season opened this morning. My dad, it worked out pretty well. I saw nothing. Um, I fish as well. That's something we'll do a lot in the summer. And then with my friends, my kind of close group friends that I still have in the area, we go kayaking a lot, um, hiking. We'll go camping. So a lot of that stuff we should still be able to do safely, especially as the summer goes on. So you mentioned Tony Dorsett and, and Paul Puzlesny. Who are some of the other famous people you've met and when and where? So the most that I've met, um, there's actually, there's a card show that Robert Morris used to host every year. It's a card and memorabilia show with a group that's based out of Philadelphia, but their biggest show is in Pittsburgh every year. And with my mom being involved at Robert Morris, she would kind of get asked questions by people and they needed students to work at it. So I want to say it was three years ago, they asked if I wanted to help out as just kind of a volunteer. And our role essentially was helping them down on the floor. I mean, all the collectors would come, they would take over the entire college gym at Robert Morris, um, have the show, and then the guests would make appearances. When they weren't making appearances out on the floor, they were up in the back doing private autograph sessions. So our job was kind of to hang out and sort of be like their personal security to escort them back and forth. Right. And then up in the um, private room, we would hand them everything to sign. So for me, I got to have a lot of cool conversations with the guys because we weren't really the autograph company that was inviting them in. We were just students. Right. So with us, they could talk about things different than what the questions they get every day. Rather than me asking them all the questions like they wanted to know about what am I doing in school? They wanted to know about where I go to college. My favorite of all time for that was 100% Rocky Blyer. Um, he showed more interest in me than I could have ever expected out of a professional player and somebody with the legacy that he has. Just a, a genuine person. I got to spend a ton of time with him and talk to him throughout the day. Earlier in the day, he had made a joke with his um, assistant that he doesn't get to wear She doesn't let him wear his rings anywhere anymore because she's afraid he's going to lose them right. or somebody might steal them. So at the end of the day, when he was getting ready to leave, I asked him if I could just take a picture and I, I brought my terrible towel for the picture too. We take the picture. And then as I'm about to, I'm thanking him about to leave. He goes, Oh, hold on a second. Let's redo that. I have an idea that can make this a lot better. Pulls out all four Super Bowl rings. I got to put them on for the picture. And then he signed my terrible towel and we took the picture again. Um, he was one of the cooler ones. I've never heard um, him speak, but I've heard he's a great speaker. Yeah. And ESPN did a, like a little feature on him. I think it was a couple months ago that was very good about him in Vietnam. So he's just one of the more genuine people I've gotten to meet. Um, I've gotten to meet Ben Roethlisberger and there's a lot of things that people say about him. I've never had, a bad experience, especially in the last 10 years. He was, he wasn't as personable the first couple of years when you see him in public, but, um, he's grown up a lot. And since he's gotten married and has kids, I've always thought he's a pleasant person and I haven't heard bad stories recently about yeah, He was a quiet kid when he was in college. Um, Juju Smith Schuster is one now that he's just like one of the guys I've seen him out, um, at restaurants and in public a few times. And you wouldn't be able to tell that he's a professional athlete cause he just, he hangs out with everybody. Um, so he's definitely a very genuine person. 
Um, Jim Rooker was one that I spent a lot of time with because this past summer, um, I, they have invited me back every year since now. Cause I just, I had a good time doing it. They thought I would did a good job. And the past summer I actually got to drive a lot of the players. They asked if I wanted to drive them back and forth from the airport. RMU's um, event center was under renovation and they moved it to the convention center in Monroeville. And so they needed a lot more drivers to transport the people back and forth. And that kind of changed the dynamic of how I got to interact with these people, because now instead of it being during an autograph session and, oh, we've got work that we have to get done and a little bit of conversation in between, I would have a 35 to 40 minute drive back and forth where it was just one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, that was, uh, I thought, really cool because you get to know a lot about the people's families. They might take a call from somebody on their way to the airport. And then that would turn into a story about what's happening in their life recently. Um, Jim Rooker, I thought, was one of the cooler ones for that. He was a Pirates pitcher um, before I was born. Um, let's, there, there was just a lot of people. Let's, I can't rattle off names right now, but I've gotten to do that every year now. And it was supposed to be in about two weeks when they were going to have it again. It's gotten pushed back to September, but um, right. I did get invited back. That'd be a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. All right, I got a bunch of Ricky, quick questions. You're a Reds fan, aren't you? I am a Reds fan. Okay. I, I met a bunch of the Reds, too. Yeah. That, I, that was a lot of fun. I am a lifelong Reds fan, and, and the Reds and the Pirates have a pretty good rivalry. Actually, I have a, behind me a Tony Perez ball on my shelf. Nice, nice, nice. He I was got one of the cooler guys that I got to meet and pick up at the airport, so – yeah, I've got uh, I've got a Johnny Bench and a Pete Rose, and of course Jack Billingham Billingham lives here close by, and I see him from time to time. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Reds guy. Yeah, I just just thought about that one. Tony Perez is one of the more fun guys I get to yeah. drive. Yeah, uh, that's nice. All right, I got a few quick questions. Just first thing that pops into your head: favorite breakfast cereal? Fruit Loops. Favorite cartoon character? Ooh, um, SpongeBob. Favorite superhero? Definitely Batman. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, just flying. You could see everything and you can see it fast. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Ooh. Right lately it's been sleeping, but otherwise, I mean, I enjoy kayaking a lot and just not, not necessarily to fish, just to go out and see scenery. Favorite kind of cookie? Double chocolate chip. PC or Mac? I have a Mac. Place to go for a dream vacation? So I really want to go to Greece. Celebrity crush when you were 12? I think that was probably Ashley Tisdale. What's your favorite movie or movies? Um, the Dark Knight's my favorite movie, so that ties in with Batman a lot. Um, Forrest Gump, I'd say, is my favorite non-superhero movie. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, probably Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. What TV show or shows are you binging on right now? I just got finished with the Arrow series, which is a DC superhero series. Um, I watched This Is Us a lot over the year and a medical show called New Amsterdam. Those are kind of the, the three that I was into a lot over the last couple of weeks. What was your first concert, when and where? Hmm. That would have been a while back. 
I don't remember. How, how about my favorite concert? All right, go ahead. Favorite concert definitely would have been Florida Georgia Line last summer. Who and what are you listening to most these days? So a lot of country now that we're moving into summer. I'll, I'll listen to just about everything. And in the lab, we'll um, switch it up just so we don't have one type of music that one person doesn't like. So it'll go anywhere from modern country music to old country, pop, hip hop. I've put on classical music. I've put on opera music when I've been in there by myself. It's just kind of, you switch it up a lot. When you need to have a place to go be by yourself, where do you go? Other than my room, um, probably outside. I mean, whether it's kayaking or a lot of the times I'll just get in my car and I enjoy driving. I'm the type that can drive and just go out to see things by myself with music playing. If you were going to be on a game show, what game show would you want to be on? Survivor. Nice. Uh, what's your favorite place to go to dinner? Mm, let's see. I'll give you two. So one's a local one. It's called Harold's Inn and it's in Hopewell Township where I grew up. Um, they have the best mountain style wings, the full wings that you can imagine. And chicken and taters is kind of their, their main entree. Gotcha. Um, in Deland, there was one place and unfortunately it's not open anymore, but it was there for a lot of years. It was called JB's, um, what, what was it called? Crab Shack? Yes, great. I think it was JB's Crab Shack. It was out on 44. Yeah. It was one of my favorite places to go. So I know Pittsburgh's got a lot of food and a lot of well-known food that's specific to the Pittsburgh area. Talk about a little bit about some of that. Yeah, so we got to talk about the Permani sandwich. Then. Yeah. That's, you, know, come, you can't mention Pittsburgh without talking about a Permani sandwich, especially in an interview. So it's a it's like thick bread and it has you can get there's a couple of different kinds you can get whether it's like the steak sandwich or the capicola but you'll have one of the meats french fries coleslaw and that's kind of the main staple that makes it unique is the french fries and coleslaw on the sandwich uh what's your go-to karaoke song uh life is a highway by rascal flats okay instagram or tiktok I don't have a TikTok. I haven't gotten there yet. I, I don't think people need to see that, but say Instagram for sure. <laughs> Name three people, living or dead, you'd want to go to dinner with. Roberto Clemente is one of them that I definitely want to meet. Um, Abraham Lincoln is one that I'd want to meet. And let's see. Those are probably the main two. Last question for you. You know how when the president walks in the room, they play Hail to the Chief, and when wrestlers come to the ring, they have their entrance music. What's your entrance music when you walk into a room? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably it's not going to be as much of a hype song. It's probably going to be something more relaxing, to be honest. So maybe like Round Here by Florida Georgia Line. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good song. Well, that's it. That's a, that was it. You did, you did great. A lot of fun. Enjoyed catching up with you and appreciate you coming on Hatter Chatter, the podcast with me. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Jordan. Jordan Sabo, former Hatter football player and uh, and uh, all around good guy. Look forward to see what great things you do in the future. I uh, appreciate, appreciate Jordan being on the show today and look forward to having our next episode of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. Once again, I'd like to thank our corporate sponsors for making our podcast and everything we do in Stetson Athletics possible. First of all, for our podcast, our title sponsor, Insight Credit Union. Our other sponsors, 
for Stetson Athletics include Bud Light, Coca-Cola Florida, The Weston in Lake Mary, Total Comfort, Hampton Inn, Morningstar Storage Solutions, Geico, Main Street Bank, Imageworks, Orlando Sanford International Airport, Florida Orthopedic Associates, and the Alliance Community. Thank you to all of our corporate sponsors. Insight Credit Union is a proud partner of Stetson University Athletics. Insight has been bringing better banking to Central Florida for nearly 85 years. Insight Credit Union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans, credit cards, and more. Insight Credit Union and you, better together.